The last word on sport on Today FM. With Carlsberg, official beer partner of the FAI. Probably the best partnership in the world. Get the facts, be drink aware, visit drinkaware.ie. And so let's turn to football and there's lots to talk about, not just the FA Cup action from the weekend and where it leaves some clubs, but also the news that's broken this afternoon about the retirement of probably one of Britain's best players of recent decades, if sometimes maybe he didn't get all the appreciation he deserved. Gareth Bale, after just three games in the United States uh, with LAFC, has decided to retire from professional football at the age of 33. Although Tony Cascarino, it's fair to say that unfortunately we didn't see enough of him in recent years, did we? No, Matt, and he was probably the best product that came out of Britain for a long time, Matt. Probably the, you know, his achievements of Family Champions League, La Liga wins, and um, his performances over uh, probably the first five, six, close to seven years of his time at Real Madrid. Um, but then the last three, Matt, have been nothing to show for it, as in the odd performance, the odd cameo here and there, and, and that will always sort of tarnishes legacy but we mustn't forget how good he was Matt for a long time I can't think of anybody that's gone abroad has even got close to what Gareth Bale achieved Yeah and Miguel Delaney of course if we go back and his goal against Liverpool in one Champions League final for Real Madrid was showed that he wasn't just a speed merchant he was a guy who could really thump a ball as well wasn't he? Uh, yeah and that'll go down as one of the, the great Champions League goals and one of the great Champions League final winning goals because that, that's pretty much what it amounted to. And this is almost a kind of contradiction with Bale, really, in that, I mean, I'm sure Tony would say the same here, but for, for any footballer, really, he, he's basically, he's won, uh, won in the sense of he, he personally has settled two Champions League finals, whatever about the medals he won, but he was the dominant player in 2014, then the decisive player in 2018. And, I mean, this is the Champions League. Anyone would aspire to that. And he will always have that. That will always form part of his legacy. And yet you're still left with the slight sense that given that talent, given the ability that could produce that, he could have done more and been an even more dominant player at Madrid. Because even by the time he got that, by the time of that bicycle kick that you mentioned in Kiev in 2018, he, he, he was already in a politically really difficult situation in Madrid. I think it was pretty well known that he, a, lot, a lot of the hierarchy wanted him out. That was actually from before 2017. He had a difficult relationship with his aunt. And it was that sense. Now, I think it was partly promoted by people maybe strategically leaking as well that he, um, he wasn't that interested in football. That he, you know, he would have preferred to be a professional golfer. But it's an oddity. But I totally agree with Tony. I mean, because of the, the almost this noise around his career, uh, it doesn't feel like he's seen as this great talent who, who did fulfill a lot of that talent um, in the way he maybe should be. Well, he won five Champions League titles. He won three La Ligas with Real Madrid. They bought him 10 years ago, it is now, for a world record fee at the time of 85 million sterling. But Tony, maybe a measure of how great a player he was was how he dragged Wales to a Euro finals and also to the World Cup in 2022. Now, he might have fizzled out at the World Cup in Qatar and that maybe he had just run out of gas, so to speak. But... That just shows his ability that he was able to lift a national team as well. Yeah, Matt, he was a fabulous talent. Um, obviously, loads of pace, great technique, wonderful left foot. He drove in 2016, Matt, he drove that Welsh team on. Um, unfortunately, we saw in the World Cup in Qatar, and I saw him live a couple of times, that 
he just didn't have anything matter. Injuries has obviously taken a big toll on him as a player because he looked like one who certainly spent most of his time in the uh, treatment room, Matt, and was just being wheeled out for games. And he just didn't look fit enough to me at the end in, in Qatar. But, you know, we always look at players, Matt, and very few can achieve what he has. And, um, you know, and he divided a lot of opinion because the fact that he seemed to not, he had this laid-back attitude to, you know, when he played, how he played, you know, and didn't seem to be bothered by contract negotiations or, you know, when Madrid wanted him out, he just stuck to his guns and never seemed to be bothered by that. I knew a couple of guys, Simon Davis, who played golf with him and James Collins, Matt, and they used to say, his golf stands to scratch. <laughs> I used to think, well, yeah, but he's not playing football. So, yeah, but he's off scratch now. He's playing really well. And he sort of typified Gareth's last few years as a player, Matt, that he was a, became a better golfer than he did footballer. I wonder what he turned pro as a golfer, maybe. I'd say the live circuit would love to get somebody with his profile on it. <laughs> well, Matt, you know, if you play scratch golf. <laughs> OK, look, let's talk about some of the FA Cup action over the weekend and where it's left some of the teams. Because, you know, maybe on Friday we were talking about the FA Cup not being particularly important. But, Miguel, it has been important to Chelsea. And they, I think it's about 25 years since they were knocked out in the third round. Uh, finalists beaten on penalties last year. They've won a lot of FA Cups. To go down 4-0 to Manchester City and not even fire a shot, does that suggest that Graham Potter is turning into a sort of a David Moyes at Manchester United type figure for Chelsea? That good and all it is what he did, that it was too much of a punt to bring him to that elite level that Chelsea need? I think that's maybe the big question and the big uncertainty. And especially when you get to issues like how you deal or how some of the senior players look at someone who's never won a senior trophy in that way at this sort of club. But that's uncertainty on one side. That kind of is um, the big question, or what could potentially undermine the immense certainty on the other side. Because from speaking to people around Chelsea this week, from speaking to Graham Potter after their Premier League game against Manchester City on Thursday, at the moment there seems absolutely no doubt that Chelsea are going to persist with him. Uh, so from, from what I've been told and what, and what uh, Potter intimated himself in his post that came out yesterday uh, before the game in the Sunday papers, that he spoke to us, that they came from Thursday evening after the City game when he spoke to us. But the, the, he's got total support because the way this new hierarchy you took over uh, in the summer after Abramovich was sanctioned, the way this new hierarchy see the club is that they basically think the current Chelsea squad is a mess. They think it's a mismatch of players from four or five different managers, and now they want to completely restructure everything towards one football ideal. And they appointed Potter because he fits into that football ideal. Now, I suppose the thinking is, and the long-term approach they're taking, is that within a few months, within a year maybe, that all this starts to click. Uh, but I suppose when you're a club of that size, when there's a risk of going out of the Champions League, I mean, that, that, that's when plans basically can get overtaken by events and clubs have to act. Now, again, Potter stressed to us on Thursday evening that people have to get their heads around this. This isn't the old Chelsea anymore. But that was something we'll, we'll, we'll only see with results. And at the moment, they're not going well. It's, it's what, one win in eight in the Premier League. But Tony, of course, yesterday as well, this defeat to Manchester City came when they were short about 10 players because of injuries. Now, that said they have a squad that most other clubs would envy. And they also decided not even to pick Aubameyang, who was fit and available, 
in the squad that went to the Emirates. So did, was it Thomas Tuchel sacking a mistake? And was it a rash decision taken, given that he was sacked six days after he was allowed to sign a Bamiyan? Yeah, Matt, it was a strange scenario in the summer because uh, I knew a reporter that went out and followed Chelsea who I worked with uh, during the summer in America and there was already disillusioned, uh, I'm sorry, disillusioned Thomas Tuchel over what was happening in the club and then their new direction. So there, it was always strange relationship from the start of this season. Um, Thomas Tuchel done extremely well, Matt. Um, they went for a different idea. Now, that idea at the moment is strange to watch because... I'm watching yesterday, defenders play like forwards and forwards playing like defenders. But every time they got the ball at the back, they tried to play and they tried to overplay. Uh, and all the football was played in Chelsea's half. And then when the ball went forward, Matt, all the forwards did was defend. And I found that really strange <laughs> to watch. And look, Graham Potter's done exceptionally well at Brighton. We all know that. And all of us hope, you know, football people, that you know, he gets an opportunity to do as, as much as he can at Chelsea. But they play Fulham away, I think, this weekend, Matt. Now, if they get That's beat Thursday there... Night. Saturday night, yeah. Thursday night. Yeah, yeah, and I'm... Matt, as much as people will tell me he's safe, I'm, and the idea, if you keep losing football matches, and yes, with loads and loads of injuries, let's not forget, Matt, no De Bruyne and no Haaland for City as well. You know, OK, that's two. And they left a couple of other players out. But there is still major questions that he has to answer because what I see yes, saw yesterday was very worrying for Chelsea fans because their goal return this season has been dreadful. He's been manager 18 games now, Matt. They want about 21, 22 goals for. That's a real low return for a club of the stature of Chelsea. Okay. Miguel, let's move on to Manchester United, who did beat Everton on Friday night. But the signing of Walt Weghorst, which has been uh, speculated about at present, 40 good minutes against Holland or the Netherlands in the World Cup justified the signing of a player who's on loan at Pistikstas, having failed at Burnley last year? I, I think, it's, I mean, it's one of those where if United were signing him as their, as their kind of their standard number nine now to replace Ronaldo in the long term, I think it would be bigger questions. But I think the way to see this is basically just he's an option for them in an area where they're short. Uh, also, I mean, well, he's not short at six foot six well, anyway. No, no, it's the other side of it. Um, but I mean, they're, they're looking for a loan option for two reasons. One is that they went over budget in the summer with the signing of Anthony, basically taking them off. Had they not signed Anthony in August, it's possible they might have signed a forward now, but they went for it. And of course, tied to all that is that the club is up for sale. So they're in a kind of a, it's almost it's a um, it's almost a balancing position there where obviously because the club is for sale the Glazers aren't going to spend that much money or see that much money spent but at the same time you need to see a certain amount spent to keep the, because they've got a real chance now to get back into the Champions League uh, so I think it's why a loan option makes the most sense. Well, let me uh, go to Tony on that because Tony, you were a big centre forward in your day, so you'd have a liking for a player like that. But do you think is Weghorst going to suit the way Manchester United are now playing under Ten Hag? Well, if he's got pace around him, Matt, he doesn't have to do some of the things that you're expected. If he leads the line and he's a threat in the box, and of course we don't see him as a long-term solution for Manchester United. You know, but what we do know is that he's decent enough with the ball at his feet. He's got way better players around him. And I think with that, 
Ten Hag is obviously struggling. That void in the centre-forward position that Miguel was talking about is a problem for Man United. And he probably just thinks a bit more. I need a bit more physical presence. We've got a young, energetic team that is thriving. And he could just give me something to the end of the season and maybe into next year, Matt. And might surprise a few of us. You know, they've had Dion Dublin in the past, who, who you know, was a big centre-forward, lead the line, not the most fashionable, done a great job for Man United. And there's been others, Matt. So... I I don't have too much of a problem with this. I think, you know... Okay, but well, the, the, Tony, the there was talk of United going for Wal Felix from Atletico Madrid yeah. and news coming in this afternoon that Chelsea have reached a verbal agreement which we should have brought up a few minutes ago. Is he going to be the player who will get Chelsea going? Because his record at Atletico Madrid for all his talent has been a bit flaky, hasn't it? Yeah, but it's, it's a difficult one, Matt, assessing Atletico because... They're a very, you know, it's not anti-football, but they tend to have had, a, you know, obviously watching them over the years play, and they can be very counter-attack, defensive-minded, and, and I think he struggled in that scenario. I think he's a forward that needs chances, and what a lot of them, Matt, because nearly all the forwards at Atletico, especially sort of over Diego Ceremoni's time there, is that... that They've really struggled to get goals, and it's a common theme with a lot of strikers at that club. And I think it's more to do with the style of play that they've had. And he probably would relish getting away and having an opportunity to play for a club that's obviously trying to play much more adventurous football now. Okay, we know Miguel that you know for a lot of teams it doesn't really matter the FA Cup, but does it? I mean, does it do Newcastle, whose fans love the FA Cup, any good to be beaten at Sheffield Wednesday? Does it do Aston Villa's recovery project any good to be beaten at home by Stevenage with two late goals? Well, actually, I think when, it, when it, at this point of the season, when it's in, it's come after Christmas, after a bit of a slog, now with that obviously disrupted by the World Cup this year. But it's often at this point of the year you see teams. Um, maybe they're not fully intense as they would be at the FA Cup and then when it, when it will get to two or three rounds down the line there's, there might be an element of regret about that because I was actually thinking about this before the weekend who would be, what clubs would the FA Cup suit most Newcastle would be one of them because as you know in this new project owned by Saudi Arabia ha- haven't won a trophy for so many decades they've, they've potentially got the League Cup of course but the FA Cup is a level above that still um, it would have served. I, you, you did sense a bit of regret, maybe about uh, Newcastle going out and how it points to the questions about sustaining this league run. Uh, similar as you say with Aston Villa, although Emery, to be fair, I suppose is, ju- is just in the job, so maybe that adds a little bit of a complication to that. But yeah, from that perspective, I was thinking. I mean, Tottenham, they they, they could so do with a cup run this year. Same with Everton, who um, are Manchester United. They've got, they've got bigger chances. And yeah, Manchester United, okay, they, they, they're not on exactly the same length of trophy drought, but haven't won anything since 2017. Haven't won the Cups since 2016 and Louis van Gaal. And given there's a sense that Ten Hag is on the up, I mean, that, that's what it feels like the FA Cup has become in that sense, or what, what maybe what its greatest value is in that teams that are on the up in that way, it serves a good, a good marker to show that. And something, I mean, it's the it's always okay. the old clock line. You don't know what success tastes like until you achieve it, and winning any trophy helps. Very briefly, Tony, because I'm nearly out of time. I think if Leeds had lost to Cardiff, I think Jesse Marsh would have been it's nearer the exit. But the one that really I think is Liverpool have to go to a replay against Wolves at Molino and probably deserve to lose on the basis of a goal been disallowed when it shouldn't have been near the death. I mean, the Liverpool problems don't show any sign of going away, do they? 
No, Matt, and I said to you last week, the Thiago problem is a big one for me because as fabulous as he is in a uh, footballer, you know, if they get in behind him and get that back four and OK, Alisson gifted um, certainly Wolves a goal, they've got major issues, Matt. You won there recently. Leicester should have got a result, Anfield, and lost with, you know, two own goals that enabled them to get a win. You know, this is nothing new, Matt. You know, I was not surprised that Liverpool didn't beat Wolves at the weekend. They've just become an easier team to play against, and their intensity has certainly dropped. And yes, they, you know, have had injuries, Matt, is another added problem. But I I look at Liverpool, and I don't see much changing, Matt. I really don't. Their goals against Column is dreadful, and it's nearly been like that all season. OK, we've got to leave it there. Thank you very much, Tony Cascuino. I'm Miguel Delaney, Chief Football Writer with The Independent. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today, FM.